0: Good evening, everybody, as always, for Locked Up Rounds, your host Jeff Lloyd, for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Um obviously, you know, a little quiet, obviously here is the weekend, you know, the activity is you know certainly hit to a lull. Um, getting closer and closer to the final weekend in April, which we'll do a you know, a lot of solidifying. Um so we just have decided to go here, you know, and we'll do it, you know, probably each Sunday or whatever, however we can work it out. But each Monday we'll put out Um, Mock Draft Monday, so we'll do the final first round mock, and don't worry, guys, when we get to the third episode, obviously, you know, you'll get definitely our thoughts on what the Browns are going to do. You're going to get that mixed in anyway, guys, so I'm going to tell you that. Um, Working here with some new equipment here, um, we'll see how this all goes, a little different for me, but um, sometimes, previously, I had to stray away from the mic, you know, because there is paperwork I have to do, you know, writing things down and logging times and things of that nature. Um, we're going to go this avenue, which apparently I've had this headset over a year, and my wife was nice enough to alert me to that this morning. Ah, uh, Yeah, took an L on that one, guys. But uh, we'll play it out here. Obviously, Pete Smith's here. We're going to get through one through ten. Look, uh, you know, trades, we're not going to bother predicting that. Uh, Are they going to happen? Most certainly they're going to happen. But Arizona, San Francisco, the Jets, Oakland Raiders, Tampa Bay, the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, Buffalo Bills, Denver Broncos. We'll get you picks one through ten here. Um, I think they'll be a little bit shaken up. I think we did this, if I want to remember, I think we did a pre-combine with Pete. Um, First things first, Pete how's everything going and you know we'll get into this year we do have some good listener questions to get to as well but you know it seems a little weird without a cleveland you know a spoon to have to take part of the buffet but you know we both love the draft
1: right um you know it's obviously different without you know two first round picks uh, and picking first overall, but uh, or three, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it, it's look, this is this is this was the goal to use these picks to get out of the get out of the uh, basement, and you know, mission accomplished so far. They they they, they got to win the Super Bowl now, but uh, you know, seventeenth in terms of the standings, but uh, a very very good team at least theoretically.
0: Yeah, now you just take the next step, which is even the harder step. You know, uh, zero wins to seven wins is, you know, a gigantic effort and certainly should not be, you know, underappreciated, undervalued. But getting that seven to 12 or to 13, that's where, you know, that's where the money is made, so to speak. And, you know, uh, Miles Garrett, David Najoku, Jabril Peppers, which is now Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, but you don't get to pick in the first round this year. I think you'll live with that one. I think you'll find a way. Um, I guess we'll kick it right off, uh, Pete. You know, I mean, I, I'm not sure which avenue you approached here. And, like, you know, I, you know, obviously, I, you know, I'll give my intake or whatever. I'm not sure if you're going to go with what you think will happen or what should happen. Um, as far as what's going to happen, I think we're pretty sure on what's going to happen at one overall.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not sure. I, I, I guess I ultimately went with what I think will happen, which is, you know, and that's
0: the way you almost have to do it. Be- well, I mean, I guess the thing you happen, but it's so weird without having, you know, a dog in the fight.
1: Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, first pick, Arizona Cardinals, but, you know, Kyler Murray. Um, Cliff Kingsbury has to make it work has to get, you know, if he's going this route, he's putting all the pressure on himself, uh, which is, you know, fascinating given his track record. <laughs> But at the same time, if he, you know, if he can at least sug- he can at least make the case that, uh, you know, even though I never won anywhere, uh, the quarterbacks have gotten better. So, you know, basically saying that it, at the very least, a replacement level defense is better than what uh, he had at Texas Tech. Uh, is what they're basically counting on. So yeah, Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm skeptical of this. I wouldn't be surprised if they're blowing this thing up in two years. But uh, I'm rooting for it just because it would be fun.
0: He's. I mean, there's the, obviously the drawbacks are there. It's 14 career starts. It's the fact that you know. Maybe Say that again. 14 Say career, 14 career Say, starts.
1: Yep. Yeah, 14 career starts. Let's point this out now experience still matters and for all the people if we do this every year uh, we ourselves. go all well that i mean sure but i mean on the the same token it's like you know sorting out the quarterbacks last year you know whether you loved you know Darnold Mayfield Rosen you took something you know it took took a few in the head you know and loved Josh Allen or Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson here we are a year later and the guy who had the most experience in college hit the ground running and was fantastic and everybody else uh you know struggled uh and and certainly rosen had more experience than the others but we're going to do this again so so with kyler murray keep that in mind he has 14 career starts if you're expecting him to come in and be great that's not going to be an insanely heavy run offense, which is what two of them ended up being, uh, strap in because it's going to be a long ride.
0: It's, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, I don't want to say bust potential, but the nerve potential of what it is and the fact that he did sp- spend two springs in Norman playing college baseball. Look, I, I'm not worried about him ducking and running and just saying I'm going to go play Major League Baseball, but I, I'm just worried about the fact that it's it, it's 14 games. It's a completely inexperienced NFL head coach, a guy who did, if we want to label it at best, an average job at the college level, and that might be being a little bit nice. But it's, you know, Arizona, this is what you're going to do, and this is where you are for two years. It could work out. Um, you know, Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald, that's not what you want to be a really good thing. Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk david johnson that might be something that you want but i mean there's like there's parts of what the cardinals are doing equation wise where it's like you know like almost they're caught between a shit and a fart like are you scrapping everything going to develop kids and be ready to go and then you have a guy like who you know and no disrespect to larry fitzgerald but larry fitzgerald there who should be part of what's going to be a 3 and 13 season there's the josh rosen factor I, I just there's so much going to be there's going to be moving parts there's going to be young there's going to be established that I, I don't in yes it, there's a Pete I agree with you there's a very high probability that it is going to be blown up in two years but it is Kyler Murray's fun and if he's not going to be in the AFC North hey let's throw it down let's see what happens
1: yeah um sure that's you know that's going to be going to be interesting to watch uh. Look, Larry Fitzgerald is has uh, has an, has a side interest of apparently uh, part time slash consultant slash GM whatever the hell he's doing uh, with the Phoenix Suns, so he'll be all right.
0: Yeah, I don't think we're worried too much about him. So that will do it with Kyler Murray, one overall. Um, look, this is going to happen. Uh, you know, last year it was so kept and put behind. And nobody knew anything, and then all of a sudden everybody kind of showed up to Dallas and it was, wow, 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 wow. And then once you, you know, dug around a little bit, it was, you know, Baker Mayfield was going to be number one overall. I don't think we're in for a surprise this year, which will put the San Francisco 49ers on the clock at two overall, Pete.
1: Yeah, all indications suggest they're going to go Nick Bosa. Uh, Certainly wouldn't be what I would do, but, uh, you know, if this works, they're in fantastic shape between him. Uh, DeForest Buckner and some of the other pieces they've added. This is really a huge key in getting this team sorted out. Uh, they have, you know, question marks in terms of, you know, what are they going to get out of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? But they, they and they've been trying. They've been hacking away at this, but they just have not gotten the combination right. Uh, so it seems like all they're they're going to go with this. Go with Nick Bosa and. Uh, you know, this has the potential to blow up in their face, but that's sort of been John Lynch's mo-, uh, MO so far.
0: Well, the issue is, though, is there's not an offensive player to add here. I think they're okay with their offensive line. I think they feel if Garoppolo is healthy, uh, they have four running backs. There's not a wide receiver you're going to add it to overall. Would they maybe potentially entertain phone calls if, you know, they felt they needed more offense than they do defense? Could be interesting. Um, you know, the, several teams are going to have that option here. Um, Nick Bosa. I, I think the thing with Nick is you, you just didn't get to see that last dominant year uh, of what it should have been, and hopefully it, it would have been, could have been, whatever. But you know the fact that he was you know out early, I guess late September, early October, and you know I, I don't nothing against him for saying that's it. I'm packing it up. You know I I know I'm going top ten somehow, some way, 100 percent respect to him in that regard. But you know for San Francisco, is that going to be the biggest difference? from drafting number two overall this year to hopefully where you're drafting in the 20s in 2020. So, you know, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it, it seems like everybody's pretty much confident in that top five, the way it's going to go down, which will bring us to the New York Jets. I'll just start here. If they can possibly get the living hell out of three, get a couple more picks. And I believe we did this when we were doing the AFC East divisional preview. Get the hell out of three trade down, if you can still get Brian Burns, add a couple more picks, add a cornerback with one of those picks, maybe now the Jets are closer and closer to you know what some of the fans, I don't know if they're riding the new uniform high or whatever it is, and it, it's crazy that uniform talk has been a dominant Jet talk for like two weeks now. I mean, Browns fans, we're talking about Odell Beckham. Who the hell cares what the hell the uniform they wear? If they want to come out and their practice stuff, Who cares, but that's where Jets fans are now. But if they can get out of three, still get a Brian Burns, in my opinion, add some more picks. But, Pete, go
1: ahead. Yeah, I I think 100% they'd like to trade. I don't know if that partner is there. I just don't see a lot of uh, viable avenues where you're saying – My jumping
0: for Quinn and Williams, my jumping for Ed Oliver. If no quarterback's off the board, why do I have to be the one to start the party at three?
1: Yeah, I, I just think the Jets are in a tough spot. So with that in mind, uh, I, I think it's Josh Allen, good, good Josh, Josh Allen, Allen uh, <laughs> out of Kentucky. He is, you know, he, he doesn't have an all-pro profile, pro pro, uh, but he is really goddamn good. Uh, and, and really, the answer is their biggest question mark, because right now they've got nothing uh, really that can rush the pasture. This has been their need for the better part of a decade. It's longer uh, than that. <laughs> they, Since they, John Abraham. <laughs> they have to find a way to get this done. Josh Allen's p- production is off the charts. He's a very, very good athlete. The only thing you can really knock him on is not having an elite three cone time uh, by, by .04. Um, so if that's your biggest question with him, you grab him and you're happy with it, and he fits right into what you want to do. He's going to be that. He can be a stand-up guy. You can put his hand on the ground. He's just a terrific, terrific football player and it's an easy move if they can't make that trade.
0: And it's not the odd position of where you're trying to like fit in an edge rusher on first and ten or base defenses where there's going to be some you know, run or you know a responsibility covering somebody in the flat. Josh Allen could do that. Um, the other thing is he is a local product. Uh, Josh Allen played his high school football about 20 minutes from MetLife Stadium. So, I mean, it, it all lines up. And, and look, I'm not even joking. The, the pure press rusher of the New York Jets. Jets, it's been since John Abraham, which is, I mean, feels in almost my opinion like two decades ago. That's before I knew my wife, for God's sakes. That's how long it's been since Jets were able to do that. Oakland Raiders, three first-round picks. Um, yeah. John Gruden, it's, you know, we're starting to get a little bit more comfortable with him back on the sidelines. Um, Mike Mayock, obviously the draft junkie he is. It's going to be interesting because it seems, you know, we joked about it, Pete. Mike fell in love with a ton of dudes down in Mobile. Whereas, you know, Mike is going to look perhaps best player available. What am I going to do here? Um, First options they have are interior defensive tackle. That's kind of what they did last year in the draft. It makes Oakland, in my opinion, a difficult player fit as far as, you know, doing this mock here at four
1: yeah um this becomes a really difficult pick to screw up. Just take the best player, uh, which is Quinn and Williams uh, defensive tackle Alabama. Yes, they have players that they've been adding to that, but if you know the worst thing in the world is they have three really good ones as opposed to two really good or potentially good ones, um you can live with that scenario. Quinn and Williams is the best player period uh, for them, and the Raiders cannot have every need everything basically. Uh, so, grab the best player available, start off your draft right, uh, you know, make it easy, high-fives all around in the draft room, and move on to the next one.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is, it is almost, like, literally that simple to do it that way. Um, if you have three first-round picks, and you have four picks, I believe it's four picks in the first 35, just you know, just hit home runs. Take monster cuts. doesn't matter if it blocks somebody, um, but if you view them as foundational pieces, that's getting you back hopefully to some sort of relevance and you know to see Quinn and Williams fall anywhere outside of the you know top One. five well, that yeah I guess yeah, I can't, yeah, yeah you're right you're right you're right but you're not gonna be rebuilt with defensive tackle but yes um, and this is Pete saying this who is the Ed Oliver bag carrier but it's okay to say hey I saw something and I changed a little bit
1: well it's, it's just a, I mean the thing is Quinn and Williams played in the SEC Ed Oliver played at Houston. I mean, that's really the difference in that point. And the other thing is Quinn Williams is heavier, which you know tends to be a, a better indicator of success. But you know, for me, if you're looking at from my board, it will be Quinn Williams 1, Ed Oliver 2, period.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Ed Oliver, you know, maybe a tad undersized. Strong as hell, but a beast nonetheless. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, 5 overall. Uh, Going to be a weird... Weird year. Um, Obviously, you basically have uh, James Winston playing on a, you know, right now I guess it's a bet on me type of deal with the way it works for him. The team itself, uh, you bring in, obviously, you know, your new head coach and as much as we love him, a great coach. But uh, this this could really be a recipe where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are maybe even drafting higher in 2020 than they were in 2019, Pete.
1: Uh, Yeah, they could, Uh, and I think Tampa is another team that would love to move down a couple spots uh, so they can do the same thing. Um, This is not what I would do, but it seems to be what they, or at least the noise suggests they're going to do, which is drafting Devin White, the linebacker out of LSU. He's a fantastic, fantastic prospect. I'm not sure I see top 10 tape, but everything else from production is off the charts, athleticism off the charts, and, you know, the best of him is phenomenal. So, you know, you've got to keep him to this point. He looks like a guy who needs to be kept clean. Um, but, yeah, they, they get a new man in the middle on defense, uh, which has been a really big problem for them. Not, not linebacker necessarily, uh, but just defense. So they get another sort of, you know, identity type player to, to, to that side of the ball. Uh, and and a guy who should be able to hit the hit the ground running.
0: I mean, well, the rumors are maybe you're going to go to uh, you know the it seems they're going to play an odd front in Tampa. Uh, Devin White, who is athletic in spades, you know, obviously you know those two inside linebackers are probably going to end up maybe taking you know a lot of reps. We'll see the way it works. Me personally, uh, and everybody seems to be in agreement that Tampa Bay is going to take Devin White at five. That's fine, but if you want to take the second best inside linebacker in this class at five overall. God bless you. I mean, not the way I'd go, but um, when you hear so many big analysts and they put out the same five and everybody kind of, I'm sure they have some of the same sources. Obviously, trades can change all that. But when they start putting it out and everybody seems to put it out verbatim, you're going to put some credence to it. Um, Him and his horse, yeah. I'm sorry, horses, I think there's two. Make their way to Tampa. Well, what? It's better than bringing horses to the cold weather, I guess. Um, Me personally, no. Devin Bush over Devin White all day, every day. Um, Remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns. Now this is where it could get interesting, Pete. Um, you have the oldest of old-school front offices, a team desperately needed of quarterback. They will have a selection at 6. They will have a selection at 17. The New York Giants, is it about adding a good football player here and looking at quarterback at 17, or just shut up and finally admit the wrong here of the last two years and get the damn quarterback?
1: Uh so there's all this noise that you know quarter, that uh, that uh, the quarterbacks are going to go way early, uh, including uh, Daniel Jones from Duke, and that they could go that route. I buy it. I just don't. Uh, I think the Giants are going to play the odds here and say take a position player, and then count on the fact that you know that that, that quarterback or whichever quarterback, one of them, they look going to be sitting there at 17, um, if, even if they have to move up a little bit. So, uh, you know, again, another player I wouldn't pick, but I think the New York Giants take Rashawn Gary, uh, defensive lineman out of Michigan, because he can do he can play up and down the line a little bit. Uh, they obviously need to keep building that unit, obviously getting rid of Olivier Vernon changes things. But if they, you know, even front, odd front, he can play end. He can theoretically move inside to the three. There's just a lot in terms of potential. He's the ultimate sort of rebuild type player, and that he's a a uh, longer term vision play as opposed to an, an immediate play. Obviously, he'll be on the field, but I think it's going to take him some adjustment because he just does not have much in terms of technique at this point. But he's a big athlete that can do a lot, and and somebody's going to fall in love with him. Might as well be the Giants.
0: And I know I have Giants fans who listen here. You know, some of my friends in Jersey. The first thing I think with. T- um, With the selection here is, with Gary, is the fact that, you know, again, it's another Jersey guy in the building. Whatever, that's good. You got him and Peppers, whatever. You've got to find a way to start transitioning from the old Giants regard to bringing and getting younger as a fan base and at least, you know, having some guys that these guys know and younger people know want to come in here. But Gary kind of gives you a, a Justin Tuck version. And Justin Tuck was a great, versatile defensive lineman for the Giants for a long, long time. Obviously, still... Very regarded with that franchise. I mean, if you're smart, the fact that Ed Oliver's name is still even around here, go get that. Go get a defensive tackle. But you know, the Giants were always the the big hosses up front, and that's kind of the way they did it. It's going to be a tough selection. Me, personally, it would be, obviously, it would be Dwayne Haskins. That would be the route I'd go. Haskins seems to be getting a little bit at a slip here, maybe. And, you know, we're starting to hear that maybe he was a little bit more loved by the media than he was the players. So it would be interesting how the Giants played out here. But, obviously, they got six, they got 17, uh, 12 picks in this draft. They are the second most, I mean, these they are tied for the second most picks in this draft with the New England Patriots. We'll see if Dave Gettleman can handle it and actually make some production with it. So, But you have it there, and obviously, you know, uh, Rashawn Gary makes his way off to the New York Giants which brings in the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, I mean, Nick Foles is there. I mean, any chance he can just put together a stable of, you know, running backs who love to average 3.7 yards per carry. That puts us here with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Pete.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the Jags are the most likely team to move down in the top ten. I think seven's a good spot for a lot of people to move up if they want to get in front of somebody to grab a quarterback, if they want to come up and grab a best player available, in this case, Ed Oliver, they want to move up and get an offensive lineman. They want to move up and grab a pass rusher, whatever. Uh, I think Jacksonville would like to get more assets and build around, build get a few players as opposed to putting all their uh, eggs in one proverbial basket at, at, as far as seventh pick. They don't really need anything so badly, that, and this draft doesn't really have anything that sort of fits them really, really well in that area. But given that they are here and they are staying here uh, for this, I gave them Brian Burns the edge out of Florida State. And the thought process here is pretty simple. You have Yannick Ngakwe as one pass rusher. You've got Calais Campbell as your base end on the other side uh, with Marcel Darius. And, you know, whether it's Avery Jones or whoever, whatever's going to be, knows. But you play your life. You live in nickel. You live in sub packages. And when you get to sub packages in that scenario, Calais Campbell moves inside to the three. You have Ngakwe and Brian Burns as your outside edge rushers. Getting after the quarterback from three spots, they can really do that. You have Taven Bryant who can come in and be at that fourth guy. That hopefully that defensive tackle that can come in and, and get four guys coming after the pass rusher. Look, this is a you're, you're in in not only are you playing for if you're Jacksonville, you're hopefully playing in the postseason. You are playing to your division, and your division is a a a group of of teams that include Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, and whatever Tennessee's going to roll out there on a given week. <laughs> so the best thing you can do is you can put pressure on that. Now, two of those teams don't have a hope on blocking uh, Brian Burns right now. Uh, you have Houston. I don't even know who their right tackle is. You've got Tennessee, who's got a pretty good right tackle, which is ultimately why you want to get a guy like Ryan Burns. And then you've got the Colts, who are – you know, okay at right tackle, but you—if—if if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you've got Nick Foles and you're planning on scoring some points this season, it becomes way more about getting after the passer. And—and uh, and if they ultimately were to move on from Ngakwe at some point, or even if they don't, they have a nice cost-controlled pass rusher that gives them a very athletic front four uh, and really allows Brian Burns to sort of be a pass rusher. Uh, it doesn't force him to be a full-time guy yet. They can ease him in, really pick his spots, and I think he could, in this in this role, could potentially put himself in the mix for Defensive Rookie of the Year.
0: Well, and that's the whole thing. If you're bringing in Foles, you feel that is a huge upgrade over Blake Bortles. But, I mean, you, you still get to the fact that you had a plan in place that got you to the 2017 AFC Championship game, which you should have won, So try to get better in that aspect. Uh, You know, look, I mean, it's Leonard Fournette, it's now or never. I mean, you need to be the player they drafted you to be in the top five, whether that'll happen or not, but you have Nick Foles. You should be able to do a little bit more with the passing game. So go back to what the model that was working for you before it all took a dastardly bad turn in 2018. But in 2017, you should have won the AFC Championship. You should have been representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. So try to at least get yourself closer to a model of that. And Brian's Brian Burns, he, he should not be a player that gets out of the top ten. No way whatsoever. Every question that was asked of Brian Burns during the draft process, he squashed. Was he a good enough athlete? Oh, yeah, he is a good enough athlete. Can he put on the weight? Yeah, he put on the weight. Can he still test with the weight? Oh, yeah, he did that too. Brian Burns, you know, just a damn solid football player. And I, I agree with the bring him in slowly because he's going to start the season at 20 years old or he's about to turn 21 in like a month or two. He's young. He's very young. But you should get production if you use him at a 55%, 60% snap rate in his rookie year. He should give you a ton, ton of production. And uh, Pete, uh, the AFC, the NFC North team here, we're just like, well, when's when are they ever going to get a window, a two to three year window. I I don't think it's getting any closer. But the Detroit Lions, you know, Matthew Stafford. I love Matthew Stafford. Solid, really good quarterback. Obviously, the story with his wife right now, it's it's it's, it's tough to see and watch that unfold for a family. Obviously, NFL player. Obviously, as much as his wife means to him and his children, all the work they do. But the Detroit Lions, they need something. They need they need more. What's the best fit?
1: So uh, look, I mean, uh, the Detroit Lions are hopefully smart enough to realize what's in front of them. Uh, they're sitting there; they go ahead and grab Ed Oliver to go with Trey Flowers to go with what they're building up there up front. They yes, they have some. They have some nice defensive tackles that are okay players. You know, they're fine players. Um, they're not at Oliver, and they're not going to be at Oliver. And even if you want to get creative with it and you, you move Ed Oliver around, potentially even starting him you know, at an end spot uh, you know, and sliding him around up and down the line, you know, this is what you hired Matt Patricia for, then you could do that. And honestly, Jacksonville could have done this too and, and done the same thing where they make Ed Oliver essentially an end in that, in that uh, Clayus Campbell rule. But this gives them two guys who can really be dominant in terms of getting pressure Uh, You know, the Detroit Lions have some nice run-stopping defensive linemen in particular. Uh, Snacks Harrison obviously is, you know, the guy. He's the best. There's, you know, second best is miles and miles behind him. Uh, They've got some dudes that can can help out there. But they, you know, because the nature of the NFC North uh, and you have a guy like Matt Stafford, you, you know, you have to be able to close the deal if you get into some some of these big-time passing, uh, you know, Going up and down the field, and you need more than Romeo Aquara and Ashawn Robinson is as more of a run stuffer. But if you can get Ed Oliver and Trey Flowers, and they can you know help close games, then that's going to make a huge, huge difference for where Detroit is as a team.
0: Well, with him and Snacks Harrison, I mean, you know, Snacks could take on you know he probably take on four to five of the offensive line himself, and he has no issue doing that. And you just allow guys to just blow things up. Which is what Ed Oliver is really good at. It 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 would be a very nice pairing, and look, start creating some chaos up the middle, and you know, hopefully it should shut down opposing run games. Um, look, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how he's viewed now as a great quarterback, he is. Obviously, the guy gets frustrated at times. Mitchell Trubisky. It's to this point where you can get in his head a little bit. Kirk Cousins. We've known that. We've known that for years. Uh, so Ed Oliver to Detroit, which. Buffalo comes up here, and it's nice because that would mean we wouldn't have to see Ed Oliver for quite a few years, Pete. Yeah, that's good. that's
1: uh, that's an added benefit. Uh, having said that, you won't like what the Bengals get. Um, Buffalo at nine. Buffalo. Uh, so look, I've seen all this talk about well, if Ed Oliver's there, you know, whatever defensive pass rusher is sitting there, they, they should probably grab him. Bullshit. You have a a quarterback with a with a plate in his shoulder from an injury he suffered in college. He got hurt last year with his UCL or whatever, which they were terrified was way worse than it ended up being. They've got, you know, they got themselves a center in Mitch Morse. They have an okay guy in Deion Dawkins they've drafted. They've got some bodies there. Take the best player. Not only is he the best player for what they need, he's arguably just the best player available here, which is Andre Dillard, the offensive tackle from Washington State elite athleticism he's shown he can be an elite pass protector and people are you know questioning his technique which means if he fixes it he gets with a good offensive line coach and they address it he's only going to be even that much better make it easy for them even if you're going to run that jackass Ronnie Brown 2.0 offense where your quarterback is running the ball at least I'll give them a guy in Andre Dillard who's not afraid to run block and can get nasty in that standpoint. But when you're going to sit back and pass, they signed a bunch of receivers. You have to be able to protect Josh Allen. So whatever inaccurate ball is going to come out, at least he's not getting hit while throwing it. Um, it, it. To me, that's the only answer here. I think if they do anything else, it's malpractice. And you're basically saying to Josh Allen, good luck. Well, you know, Chances are we're going to see some serious Matt Barkley time this year.
0: <laughs> uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but Dillard, fantastic player. You actually, you came back with that thought from Mobile Pete, and you solidified him. Um, he showed it in his pro day. Extremely athletic. But you know, it's if you have interior guys that you're fine with, that's good. But you still need that that left tackle. And uh, you know, Dillard is being a little underappreciated through the process, which seems a little weird because everybody's usually always looking for a left tackle. But uh, Andre Dillard at nine to the Buffalo Bills. And now this one, we'll see where we go here, Pete, but uh, Joe Flacco brought in, uh, you know, obviously the young receivers, you know, know, uh, Lindsey, who had a nice rookie year, Von Miller, there's pieces on defense. Uh, Pick 10, the final pick we'll make before we get to some uh, listener questions here, but the Denver Broncos on the uh, the clock at 10 overall.
1: Look, John Elway is the death of your franchise until (laughs) he either gets extraordinarily lucky again, uh, and or find they ship them off to like free agent. or
0: he goes off to like PFF for like 18 months and actually learns like some analytics and, and just makes a tour where he learns more of this guy look really good on tape to me.
1: Yeah. I, like I, I, I just don't know if they can bring themselves to fire him regardless of how bad he is. He almost has to basically resign and say, I can't do it.
0: He's got to do the and, George Costanza with the, uh, the trophies in the parking yeah. lot.
1: <laughs> Listen, maybe he's trying to become the uh, GM of the jets or something like that. Um, Look, the Denver Broncos, I gave them Drew Locke. All indications are they love Drew Locke despite how bad Drew Locke is. Um, I understand he's got all kinds of tools. The problem is none of those tools are consistency or good. Um, He's got a big arm. He can move around a little bit. There are things he can do, but he didn't do it at Missouri on any kind of consistent basis. I don't know how you expect him to now do it in the AFC West, uh, but – that seems to be where they're going could they go and grab a guy like uh like uh, the dude from Ohio State sure could they I mean could they get Dwayne haskins here sure could they go with Daniel Jones here sure um I don't know if any of those options is great certainly I think haskins is the better one given the fact you do have Flacco Haskins would then be able to sit uh but if you're gonna you know have drew Locke sit I suppose that gives him a better chance but to me, this is way more Deshaun Kaiser than it is anything that's going to end well. Uh, and I think this is going to be yet, uh, the third, basically the third swing and miss for for the Broncos at quarterback. Uh, I don't, you know, I well, I shouldn't say that. I do kind of root for the Broncos to fail. I hate the Broncos. Uh, but I also don't, I also don't think they can help themselves in this. And I do think they're going to go ahead and drill lock and they may trade up. They may be the team jumps up to seven with the Jacksonville Jaguars or something to make sure they get their man because they're that, and John Waits just seems to be that enamored with him. I don't know who, why, you know, if if you make the move to Flacco as opposed to case Keenum, you you seem to be getting the guy to help with the guy you want to take over. And, you know, If you didn't think he loved him before, it just seems to be one more example of how much they seem just to love Drew Locke. Uh,
0: and look, uh, I'll go back to, and look, this has been, I think this was even pre-Senior Bowl, pre-Combine, that he was enamored with and love with him. Um, Mike the Mizzou fan, like I talk with him a lot. Uh, he's a Browns fan. I'm not sure where he lives, but somehow you know, a University of Missouri fan. And he said, well, Drew Locke beats up on the week competition. You don't draft a quarterback at 10 if that's the first thing you think about him. But um, it's kind of the M.O. of Drew Locke. I went back and actually did some research on it, and that's kind of exactly what Drew Locke does, which does not make you want to draft a quarterback at 10 if you can beat up on the patsies. Um, The arm, the release, everything's fantastic, but there's just, you know, a lot of it is erratic and it's sloppy and he shrinks in the bigger moments uh, around the better competition. So Denver, go ahead and knock yourself out uh, in – if this pick happens guys, this one has been in the making for months. Months. iTunes rating reviews guys, those are always fantastic. Go ahead uh you know, do me a favor, drop a five-star written review over there for Locked On Browns. It, it it you know, obviously helps new listeners find the show, which is working out pretty well, so keep that coming for me guys. Thank you. So we do have some listener questions here, Pete. And uh again, Giov- uh, Giovanni reviews um, what would be the realistic range to trade up from 49? And what are going to be, I, I guess we'll say, the positional run or need that you'd be nervous about if they started flying off the board for you to consider moving out of 49?
1: It's an interesting question. If Let's see what we got here. So let's look at this. Teams that would we'll be picking at the top of the second round be Arizona, Indianapolis, uh, Oakland, San Francisco, New York, Jacksonville, Tampa, Buffalo, Denver, Cincinnati. Well, Denver twice. Cincinnati, Detroit. Okay, so immediately what jumps out at me is Indianapolis. If they don't get a guy in the first round, and they go for something else, I could easily see them double back and grab a corner at thirty. Was at thirty four.
0: We love that name there, though. Too, we do. We're never thirty four. Thirty
1: four could be a, a spot that ADB goes. Uh, after that, the 49ers could be a threat to take a DB. Um, Jacksonville stands out as a team that could be pick out a DB. So if the Browns are in the business of taking a defensive back, um, you c- I could see them try to trade up to like 37 if they want to get in front of Jacksonville. Uh, it, it, the other option would be if they basically waited out and say Indianapolis, you know San Francisco, and Jacksonville pick and your guy's still there, you could then sort of jump up to, let's say, 40, maybe to Buffalo uh, ahead of Denver or one of those teams and, and go ahead and grab your guy because you're worried they're going to go off. I, I think if you're running DBs, I think it's those initial picks which may be just too expensive and you're sort of waiting and with bated breath hoping – but uh Indianapolis twice both at uh, where, where that they, they are 26 and 34 seems like a graveyard for the Browns on guys they could possibly want uh, at least a corner that 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 looks like two spots for a guy like Justin Lane they have safeties they've uh, they've got uh, Malik Hooker is a free safety and then they've got Clayton Gethers, and they added our boy. Uh, yeah, they add. They added. They've got strong safety. So the the position that stands out for them is corner. Uh, San Francisco, they they look like they have a, little, a few more needs in the secondary. Uh, they they might be branch out a little bit. And then Jacksonville is a team that that that, that I think could look to add to the secondary. Uh, they released uh, Tayshaun Gibson. They could look to add maybe a third corner. Uh, but free safety is a position I don't know if they're set at uh, the, right now. The proposed starters like Gerard Wilson and Cody Davis. I, I think they're going to be in the market to try to get somebody else on that back end, uh, or maybe they go for a, more of a, a a better slot corner, uh, slot option. You know, in, inside of Jalen Ramsey and Aj Bouye. But yeah, once you once you get past seven, where I, I don't think uh, there's a chance in hell at this point of a DB going earlier. I think that top of that second round becomes basically a graveyard uh, for some of those spots. And and if he gets through there, maybe you're comfortable moving up. I, I think they're going to be averse to going up too too high just because it would be cost prohibitive. But you know you never know if they love a guy if they love Justin Lane that much uh that could be an option so at that point you're basically hoping that you know as opposed to justin lane maybe they go for a rocky sin maybe they go for a sean bunting maybe they go for uh the kid from penn state one of the you know one of those guys that trips them up or you know a deontay thompson goes early that would be great yes because i have no interest in him or you know taylor taylor rap i don't have any interest in him with those guys yeah your boy's too slow (laughs) And so if if they can get if those guys can sort of be the landmines that other teams jump on, that'd be a great situation. But that's that's going to be difficult. I think that's that's going to be the sweet spot where DBs fall. Uh, I I do tend to believe in the idea that uh, DBs aren't going to go until basically the 20s. So with the sheer number of them at 20 to like 50 range and the Browns are at 49, that is going to be where I I think there's going to be a substantial run.
0: And, well, this is where I, I think a lot of this has to come down to with the end of day one to the end of day two. And you know, that's where you're going to, you know, the Browns will get together and, all right, let's reassess the board. There's 10, 12 picks here. Look, we really want these 10 guys. And you're going to start monitoring and you're going to start calling. And, you know, it, you know, if you have a guy that you valued at 23 overall on your board and he's still there when night two starts at 33, you're going to start calling around and you're going to start making the, I pray it's not Jeffrey Simmons. My God, I pray it's not Jeffrey Simmons. Um, just because of the injury, that's it. The only reason, I mean, I get the other stuff. I accept that it won't be an issue here. But, you know, that guy, but then there's the defense, the secondary. If there's not going to be a lot of activity, Lane, Thornhill, Savage, all these guys that me and Pete have been emphasizing. And I, I will admit, rap maybe, a guy closer you could get at 80, than opposed to 79. I mean, as opposed to then, I'm sorry, 49. But we'll see. But I mean, cornerback would maybe mean more the du jour de jour delight. Uh, does a defensive tackle take a, fall, uh, take a fall that is available, you know, on night two that should not have been available? Um, it, it'll be interesting, I, and it's going to be hard to hold it back when you, you're at 49 and the top 48 players come off the board, unless it falls well for in accordance to their board. It's going to be interesting the way that plays out. Yep. All right. And then we go to – that was the first time. Uh, Dave, I'm going to say Piszczowski. I'm I'm pretty good with the – I'm actually pretty good with those names. Um, Is edge a priority in the draft? And if it is, give a guy in a round, Pete, that you would – a guy you're jumping for.
1: I'll say no., uh, it's not a priority, but that doesn't mean it's not an option. Uh, I think that comes down to, you know if if you're sitting there and some somebody is really high. in whatever capacity he's going to play as an edge rusher, then you've got guys like Chris Smith, who's to me more of an interior guy than an edge guy, but he can at least give you reps there. Anthony Zettel uh, was a guy that became sort of went from a guy who didn't play to a nice little changeup, and hopefully there's a healthy medium from when he was a starter the year before uh, with the Lions and had a pretty solid year to... Barely ever playing under Greg Williams, that they get him a little more love, and then you've got you know Chadley Thomas, who you know we'll see if there's a pulse this year. But yeah, if you if you <laughs> find an opportunity, and obviously the guy who keeps standing out for us is is a guy like Max Crosby. If maybe he's sitting there at eighty, and you know you, you find yourself in a spot where you just don't like what else is there, you could grab him. Uh, but you know there there are a number of talented edge rushers in this class, and it becomes. Uh, it, it just becomes a question of if they're going to last, because I think overall the you know as, as quote unquote deep this edge class is, and certainly I'm more picky than uh, a lot of people, but I think it, they're going to go quick. I, I think they're going to come up, fly off the board, and you're going to get to a situation where you're you're scrambling to how how, how much you like these guys. Uh, you know, maybe they you know end up liking a guy like Jamal Davis late. Uh, or maybe he goes undrafted, and you grab him. But, yeah, I think Max Crosby's sort of like the last guy that you're sort of going, ooh, I'd like that guy, or maybe Justin Hollins.
0: Oh. Oh, wow, you're just firing off the bullets this evening, sir. Feeling frisky on a Sunday night. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, Max Crosby is definitely an interesting prospect. I don't know if the need is so much there, and this is where, Pete, I always go back to this, is I don't think people – truly understand the value that they got in a guy like Sheldon Richardson, um, where he is able to maneuver anywhere on a defensive front, and you can even throw him and have him stand up, whatever. I mean, that was how great of a selection Sheldon Richardson was. I'd myself prefer more to tend to the interior, where it allows you to be more flexible with the group overall, and you get to that 7, 8, 9 rotation at the defensive line which the good teams have and which will be key to this franchise going further and always love the digs and the rips, Pete. That's nice of you. That's nice of you. Anything we missed, sir?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I think we're, you know, for the most part, other than numbers creeping out that we haven't seen or, you know, met. I mean, the only thing really coming up on the horizon, which again, we never really get any info unless people want us to have it. It would be the time medical recheck. Yep. Uh, and certainly, you know, some of these guys, if they if they come out and they're glowing reports, you know, the, the agents are going to make sure those find their way out. Um, oh, yes. But uh, yeah, there's some questions. Obviously, uh, Jeffrey Simmons and where he is. I don't know if he's gonna if he's far enough in the process where he's gonna go. I don't think it's gonna that. make a
0: difference on Simmons. I mean, you'll hear maybe he's available to play the latter part of '19. And I think that's pretty much what we can all summarize at this point
1: as well. Yeah, Jerry Tillery with his shoulder, uh, and and getting you know a sense of where that is. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if we got Emmanuel Hall up there, see where he's at, and the sports hernia that wasn't, um, and see make sure things are good there. A guy like uh, a guy who I think could be, you know, there's all this talk about well, get so and so, he's injured, he'll be cheap, and you can stash him for a while if. The Browns are interested in doing that. Uh, the kid they should look at for that would be uh, the kid out of Appalachian State, uh, Jalen Moore, uh, who I think will be at the medical recheck and getting his stuff sorted out. Uh, was a very very pro- productive player at App State. You're going to have to go with the tape as far as testing. He did very little of it, but he's a guy with with some some power uh, in addition to some athleticism that that if you're a team like the Browns and you're sitting there and, and maybe he's sitting there in round six or seven uh, and you do move on from, from Duke Johnson, maybe you look at a guy like Jalen Moore and say, look, uh, we think he's going to be you know, a good player, uh, would have gone much earlier if he was healthy and tested and all those things, that he becomes sort of an interesting option.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but I mean, look, it's I would rather just draft four to five guys to this draft class Guys, had a ready roll. I mean, because that's what the expectations are showing. It's just the route I would rather go. I mean, look, if you want to move a pick for 2020 picks, whatever, I I get it. But um, Pete, but there's also the um, which would come out probably what about Monday of draft week? Um, we're gonna hear on your analysis tests
1: (laughs) the uh, the idiot test. uh, Yes, to see who failed a scheduled. For years and years and years, in advanced drug test. Uh, you know, and 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 we'll see if you know that that becomes a thing, or if we just get the you know the thing that never means anything. It should be should not be a part of the process because, good lord, you can wait thirty minutes and make them do it again. The diluted sample, which is the biggest set of bullshit ever, <laughs> um, you know, wait thirty minutes and get a real another sample to figure it out. Don't just go. Well, it's it's diluted, so we're flagging him for a positive drug test. When you know maybe he, maybe they actually did test positive, and you can go find find out. Or they didn't, and you don't flag him for something they didn't do. Um, that's one of the more idiotic things in the NFL that needs to get dealt with.
0: And then there's the uh, idiot social media aspect of it. So um, look, uh, any prospect, uh, make sure you scrub that crap clean. And something you may set at 15 or 16 years old may come back to haunt you here in three weeks. You never want that. Um, uh, I, as always, guys, uh, read Pete's work over uh, through NFL Spin Follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The at Lockdown On Browns Twitter account. We're getting closer and closer to that 5K before the draft, guys. I appreciate that. Um, look, you know, always send a uh, DM over there. Any questions you have, we get a bunch of them. I'm fr- I, you know, I have no problem answering. I understand some people' social media just ain't your thing. And I get it, totally understand. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore L J underscore Lloyd. We're gonna just continue to go here. Um, obviously, the Browns are not as heavy in this draft process early as in years past. But covering the draft, I, I enjoy it. Pete enjoys it. We have a bunch of guys who come on here and talk about it who do enjoy it as well. So we'll continue to do that for you. Um, there's not much more else here. We'll, you know, obviously we'll continue to push out each and every day. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.